Anybody care to try to top that one? That was powerful. Chrissy called me this week and said that the Lord had laid on her heart to give a testimony, and I told her we need to hear it. And uh, we need to hear that. Very powerful. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Um, Christmas is coming, isn't it? Anybody in the season yet? I hope you are. I've been listening to Christmas music. I enjoy Christmas music. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Let's be praying that we have a, a good Christmas season here in our church. The kids are going to do the... Uh, Christmas play for us week after next on Sunday night. I'm look I always look forward to that, don't you? We don't have an adult program this year. Uh so maybe next year we'll have one. So I don't know what happened to that bus today. Uh be praying for us. We're looking and we're praying about a, a getting a youth director. And so we I need to tell y'all to be praying for us about that because the candidates are not very many. Uh well, you can you can get a lot of bodies, but you need uh, someone who has a call of God in their life to do things like that, and that would be a big benefit to us. And uh, so, y'all just pray pray for that end that God would send us the right person, youth director. All right, Luke chapter ten, beginning with verse thirty. Last week you heard the 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 part about the Good Samaritan. Who is the Good Samaritan? Jesus is the Good Samaritan. Now we're going to hear the the instruction for us from the Good Samaritan. Last week we heard that Christ is the Good Samaritan, that religion passes you on by, right? But Christ is the answer. He came to where that man was, and he ministered to that man. And that's what salvation does. It come, The Lord comes to us. He's the Good Samaritan. So today we're going to title the message, What's Going On in Your Neighborhood? Okay? Look at it. Verse 30, we'll begin right there. I don't want to get stuck in verses 25 to 29, and that's what I'll do if I, if I read it. And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves and wounded him and departed leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him. And bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto them, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou? was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves. 
And he said unto him, He that showeth mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. So the parable, they tell us it's a parable. Jesus uses terminology here that makes us question uh, the events that took place that he may have just brought events that happened into a story and put them together and told the parables. I kind of wonder, I, you may wonder this too, maybe one of maybe the man that uh, posed the question uh, could have had an experience where he walked by on the other side of someone's suffering. We don't know. We weren't there. But nevertheless, it's a, it's a, it teaches us uh, some truths about you and I being a good neighbor and a, a, a good friend. He said, go and do thou likewise in verse 37. So, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And that's in, in this, Jesus is, is teaching us that we need to be concerned about the people around us, that we need to be neighbors to the people around us. Uh, verse, uh, let's, let's look at Luke 18. Luke 18, I'll show you Luke 18, 19. He says this in Luke 18, 19. And Jesus said to them, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one, and that is God. And I read that verse because I believe that's where the commentators gave us the title, Good Samaritan. There is only one good, right? And that only good person is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in that statement, I think that's where we got the title. But the parable teaches us that being a Christian, we need to be a good neighbor. And we need to be a good friend, but we need to be a good neighbor to those that uh, we may not be neighbors with. People are suffering around us. People go through trials. Now, as we look at the text, the first thing we see is there was a crime committed, wasn't there? This guy, in verse 30, it says of him, he said, uh, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves. He fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, uh, this picture's a person that's uh, been wrecked and ruined by thieves. Now, who is the chief thief in the world? Satan, thank you. He's the chief thief. The, the Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief, Jesus quoting it, Jesus said, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. From our lives as Christians should come life and abundant life, good things, blessings. From the thief comes, he's a, he's a thief, he steals, he kills, and he destroys. Now this pictures people without God in the text. There's a crime committed. They're going away from God, from Jerusalem to Jericho. They've been beaten and robbed, and we could say of the devil, of, of the world. And, and some people in our world are wounded physically. They're wounded emotionally. And the gospel sends us to people that have been wounded, people who have been beaten. Over in Luke chapter 4, uh, verse 18, we got a summary of the ministry of the gospel. In chapter 4 of Luke, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now let me ask you something. 
you were once lost and you came to Christ, you got saved. Were you bruised? Yeah, by the world. Were you beaten by the Satan? Jesus heals those wounds. Now, I, I would say you're not completely healed at this point if you've not been saved very long. But the Lord heals our brokenness. We're all broken. But the Lord heals our brokenness. Now what we need to see in the parable of the Good Samaritan that you and I are the hands and feet of Jesus. People need love. People need attention. People need relief. They need a Christian in their life. People need us to go to them. And that's the gospel commission. Now we not only go to them with the gospel. We go to them about personal needs. We are to love one another. We are to love people. We are to be neighbors to people. And when we see people that are suffering from different physical things, we need to be there. We need to be involved. Someone near to you in some way has been broken and you need to not pass by on the other side and ignore what's going on. Don't forget, when you were without God, you needed someone. And thank God someone showed up. But what's going on in your neighborhood? What's going on in your neighborhood? Uh, now, the, the, the immediate area in which you live, you are a watchman. You are a lighthouse. You are a gospel presenter. Hey, it's a great time, Christmas. Uh, take a gift of cookies or whatever to all of your neighbors just to show them that somebody cares. Give your, give your FedEx person, your mail carrier, your, your UPS driver, and whoever else. Give them some gift to acknowledge that you appreciate them. People just need to be appreciated sometimes, right? Love your neighbors. Let me tell you something. When you take that gift to your neighbors, who knows what you might discover? Amen? So, the, a crime was committed. Something's going wrong in our community, in our neighborhood. Something's going wrong, and we need to be aware of it. Secondly, we see here, we see a calloused, a calloused response. Look at verse 31. And by chance, just passing by, there came down a, a, a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And then verse 32, And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. And, and then another, a Christian, came by that place and he looked on him and passed by on the other side. Say, preacher, it doesn't say that in text, but let me ask you, has it happened? Has it ever happened? Far too many times. Now we think of these two callous responders in the text. Uh, we can we can uh, we can look at them. Uh, they shun this guy. They 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 want to go the uh, they they don't want any dealings with him at all. Th these two are self righteous. These two had plenty. These two felt good about their self. They felt good about their response. They were busy people. The priest and the Levite, they were religious. They were uh, practicing ritual. They had rules in their life. They kept the rules, the ones that they approved of at least. 
But they missed the whole point of all of the Old Testament. They missed the whole point. They spent their time on part A and never put any emphasis on part B of the summary of the commandments. And by neglecting part B, they failed to fulfill part A. Preacher, what are you talking about? The whole commandments are fulfilled in this, that we love God with all of our mind, soul, and strength, and that we love who? Our neighbor as ourselves. So with their appearance of appealing to part A, they neglected part B, but because they neglected part B, they're blindly not fulfilling part A. And let me tell you something, friend. When you and I got saved, God didn't save us for us to have an excuse to go to heaven and let the world go to hell. He didn't give us an excuse to ignore the people around us. He saved us so that we could fulfill part A and part B. I want to say it again. God saved us so that we could fulfill loving the Lord thy God with all your mind, soul, and strength and fulfill part B, loving our neighbor as ourselves. Man, this callous response by the priest and the Levites. Religion can make a person so callous and, oh, preacher, I don't have... I'm not a religious person. Well, let's, let's find out. Let's find out if you're religious or you're right with God. And Paul once was a very religious man. Think, I want you to see religion pictured in the Apostle Paul's response when Stephen is witnessing for Jesus and he is, he is taken and Paul is there and they stone him. They stone him because he is a menace. He's fallen short of what we think that he ought to be. And the apostle, before he was an apostle, is standing there giving consent. And it says, holding their coats for them as they stoned him. Oh, I didn't stone him, you might say. No, but you're just as guilty. Paul regretted this for the rest of his life. Yet it may have been what God used to provoke him to trade in his religion for a relationship with Christ. Folks, listen. A callous response. I wish that I could say that only religious taught people do this, but many of us are living religion more than a relationship with Christ because we're neglecting our neighbor. Religion has zeal. Religion has works. Religion lacks the Spirit of God. It can ignore the pain. It can deny what's going on around them. You know, I, I, I with you, when I heard about the, I think it was 113 little babies that they cut their heads off over there, Hamas did with 113 right at that number. And boy, didn't that just build up a righteous indignation in your soul? Can anybody say amen to that? But you know what? I already had a disdain for the people that did it. But you know what it made me finally do? I finally looked up the statistics again and see that we, the Christians in America, sit here and mind our own business why 1,700 babies are aborted every day 
in America? Who are the criminals? Oh, I had a great sermon going until I messed it up. The victims got no hope from the priest and the Levite. Now, the, the priest and Levite had excuses. Listen to this. They had excuses. Oh, I am ceremonial clean on my way to church. I'm going to church, and I have been cleansed. And if I touch that man, I will be ceremonially unclean. I'll miss church. He avoided this man that was unclean. Now the Bible teaches us in Galatians 6, 1 that we that are spiritual are to go to that person that is broken, that person that is suffering, that person that is fallen short, that person that has sinned. We're to go to that person and we are to restore such a one in the spirit of humility, aren't we? Religion or a relationship? Oh, that he could have said, you know, I would go over there, I would stop, but I'm a very busy person. I've got a schedule that I need to keep. I've got more important things to do. Besides that, somebody else will stop by there and help him. I know somebody will. And I've got these important appointments that I need to make, and I don't have a cell phone. They, don't, they haven't been created yet, so I'm not going to stop and help the man. Another attitude that could have been displayed from the religious man was uh, this man is injured because it's the judgment of God on him. The judgment of God on him. He wouldn't have AIDS except that God is judging him because of his sin. Well, that's a very compassionate response, is it not? Did God put us in charge of judgment? Or did God put us in charge of showing mercy and kindness and love and forgiveness? What did God say in particularly about judgment? He said in particularly, absolutely, he said, Judgment is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Even if God is judging someone, doesn't excuse us from being there as a neighbor. God may be judging that one to give you an opportunity to see what you're made of. God may be judging that person to wake them up to the opportunity for you to tell them about Jesus as you're handing them out the needs that they have. Folks, we, we got more religion than we realize, I think. This man's injured because... It's the judgment of God on him. It's not our place to say things like that. Or even when we feel them, it is our responsibility to put them off. I think sometimes we in our own nature kind of feels like, ah, get a step ahead here. Shame on us. To help him would be against the will of God. No, no, to not help would be against will of God. See, religious thinks strange things. Oh, listen, we all, we all, man, we're Johnny on the spark, spot to be uh, the Christian show that we need to be in the show, but are we the Christian that skips the video and does what needs to be done? It is no 
doubt we're in the age of the selfie. Now, besides, this man could have said, you know, we'd hate these kind of people. This guy, he's not one of us. We hate him. Hmm. We're forbidden to allow our hate to take us to places like that. We're not able to justify our hatred. Well, <coughs> other thing he could have said, I didn't do anything to hurt him. I, I didn't want to hurt him. I, I felt bad for him. I felt terrible about that. I just felt so terrible about that. And we think, think that we're justifying our lack of being a neighbor with that type of, of attitude. Then it says in verse 32, And likewise, the Levite, when he was at the place, he came by, looked on him, and passed by on the other side. These men had a creed. You know, they had creeds that they lived by. They had rules that they lived by. But they formulated those creeds to work around anything they didn't want to be involved in. They had a creed, but they didn't have Christ. That's for sure. These men love God in theory, but not in reality. Boy, I hope we're not guilty of loving God in theory. You know, theory is something you think. Reality is something you live. Over in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, he says this, If a man say, I love God. Do you love God? You know, my pastor taught us years ago when we would sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. He would always sing, Oh, how I ought to love Jesus. We ought to love Jesus. But he said in this verse, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? What John is doing is helping us get beyond theory and reality. He's trying to get us where we need to be. We need to love indeed, not in theory. Can you say amen to that? Now, they knew the Bible. These men knew the Bible. But they're not doers of the word. They're hearers only. And what does it say? Deceiving their own self. Now, I'm not here to scold anybody. I'm here just to instruct and inspire and encourage you and to remind you our neighbors need more than a callous response. And that can be cloaked in some sweet little saying. But what are we doing with it? If we come to church and ignore the lost and the hurting and the suffering around us, we have classified ourselves as walking on the other side of those in need. May God help us. May God help us be a good neighbor. Instead of doing nothing, help us to answer the call to do something. So what we see here, the, the last thing is the compassionate response the Samaritan in the story, he, he didn't judge nor condemn the guy, but he says, it says in our text, 
Beginning in verse 33, he says, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he's just on the road going somewhere, he came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now, then it says, And and went to him, he went to him, and bound up his wounds, poured in pouring in oil and wine, expensive, and set him on his own beast. He got off his high horse and put him up on the beast and brought him to an end and, notice, took care of him. He cared about him. And on the morrow, verse 35, when he departed, he took out two pence, Money. He took out money and gave them to the host and said unto him, I'm not putting him on you. I'm not asking you to do anything. You're going to be profiting from the situation. I'm not asking you to contribute one thing to the situation except to give me the opportunity. He said, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. What a good Samaritan. That's the challenge for you and I. A genuine compassion moved him to help the man that was suffering. He saw him, and not only did he look upon his situation, he saw, he just saw with eyes of compassion. And then he came, he left off with where he was going and what he was doing, and he went to where that man was, and he came to him, and then he cared about what he was experiencing. He bound up his wounds, he put oil, he put wine, cleaned him up, bound him up, set him on his own beast, and walked as he carried that man to an end. We could talk about witnessing. We could talk about just ministering to people. He brought him to the end. By the way, the end could be a representative of the local church. But the reality here is, friends, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And the gospel has saved us not to escape responsibility of the law, but to fulfill the law in loving God and loving our neighbors as ourselves. Genuine compassion. And then Jesus closes by saying, Go out thou and do likewise. So you know what? No big hoopla in the invitation today. It's just laid out instruction. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about it? Let's stand. Are we going to be no more than a religious person? Or are we going to let the gospel work in us? What the gospel was sent to work in us. That we would love God and love our neighbor. You got a neighbor you hate? Do something good for your neighbor you hate. When you stand before God, you're going to wish you took care of that. The invitation is open.
anyone else? Do you love your neighbors? sing that out. Let's have our ushers come.